Hello, and welcome to Nerd Punches Nerd, the only podcast where a bunch of nerds pretend to physically fight over minor pop cultural minutiae. I'm Jeremy, here with Sam today. Hello. Yep. Thanks for saying hi. Right before I was about to ask you to say hi. Uh, that's my specialty. Yeah, exactly. Today we have a sort of an interesting topic. We decided, since Sam and I have been watching this other show, which is nerdy in a different sort of way, we thought maybe uh, we talk about the latest episode. And of course, this show is called The Newsroom. Or is it just Newsroom? I think it's just Newsroom. Right? No, no, I think it's The Newsroom. Are you sure about that? Yeah, pretty sure. The newsroom or the yeah. newsroom? Is it the newsroom? No, it's newsroom. No, or is it the newsroom? You know, I'm confused. <laughs> there's a the. I'm I'm ninety five percent sure that that there's a the. It's not just newsroom. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I according to HBO.com. Yeah. It is the newsroom. Right. Okay. So. I'm glad we were able to figure that out. To be now that we got that out of the way. All right, so why do you explain why we decided to to talk about the show? Okay, so basically, um, Jeremy... Actually, Jeremy started watching the show before I did. He got me into it. But basically, Jeremy and, um, you know, um, and his roommate, um, they started watching the show, The Newsroom, and um, it's kind of... The thing about this show is that I mean, you know, I'm sure we've all seen, like, The West Wing and, you know, some of the other stuff that Aaron Sorkin has done. So, like, this, sh- this was a show with high expectations, but um, it turns out that it's, it's had a very mixed sort of uh, reaction um, from, from both critics and audiences, um, where some people think it's, you know, the next great show and other people think it's just awful. And um, we kind of think that it's both because it's, it's a terrible show. But it's also really, really entertaining um, at the same time. Sometimes it's entertaining because it actually does have, like, good moments. And other times it's entertaining because it's so bad. Um, And it's kind of astounding that a show, you know, produced by such a successful veteran guy like uh, Aaron Sorkin, you know, and on HBO, which is, you know, has such a reputation for high quality shows that you could have such a terrible show on HBO and, and produced by Aaron Sorkin. And even that in itself is entertaining, but, but not as entertaining as, as what the actual show manages to be. Um, now, I, I think we both feel that the first season was even better than the second season. Um, the first season, because it was more ridiculous. Well, part of uh, the thing about that yeah. first season yeah. was a few things. One of the things was this constant looking back. Because for those of people who don't know, the newsroom is set in the past in a fictional CNN-like news channel about their main news evening hour led by Will McAvoy, who's played by Jeff Daniels. And the show starts where he's basically sort of more of a vaguely Keith Olbermann type, which I believe is actually the inspiration. Well, so we should we should explain. The show starts out where he's sort of, uh, I guess, like a sort of bland 
you know, news Jay anchor. Leno. Yeah, they they specifically reference Jay Leno as like he's he's like the Jay Leno of news and that he tells sort of sort of like obvious kind of neutral stories. Um, you like know, he doesn't do anything just, controversial yeah. because he just he wants the thing that that, he, that matters most to him is he just wants to be liked and have good ratings. Um, so that's how it starts, and then he, he has this change of heart in the first episode, and just decides to, um, you know, to do the news right, to be challenging, and you know, and aggressive, and chase the story, yeah. and you know, not let people off the hook, and 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 all of that, you know, and and they're going to do the news right, and they don't care about ratings because they have integrity. Well, considering right? the interim makes a triumphant reappearance in this latest episode, I think we should uh, bring up. Sort of okay. Like origin story. Okay. So we should we should talk briefly because this is briefly. really so the, really yeah, really we're talking about about how um, um this episode which is called Red Team Three, right? Red yes. Team Three. That's yes. the name of the episode. But but we'll briefly talk about the the beginnings of the show. So um, the whole point is the reason that Will changed his mind is because this girl at some school I think in California. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's Georgetown, which means it's um, on the East Coast. I think it, maybe it's said, but I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. For some reason, I want to say it was like University of Wisconsin, but could I don't be. know. Maybe I'm just making that up. It's definitely college students. And one girl basically gets up and asks, will some Republican stereotype and some Democrat stereotype, why is, uh, you know, in one word, why is America the greatest country on earth or some other such nonsense? Which is, you know, a really stupid question. But that being said... It basically gets Will to go on his crazy tirade, which reminds me of the crazy tirade at the beginning of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, where this guy, played by Judd Hirsch, goes on sort of this rant about the current state of TV and how awful everything is. So just like that, this was another example of Sorkin going on a rant of his own. So it's sort of... The problem is you might say, okay, well, fine, whatever. Maybe he'll make some good points. But the problem was it initially starts from a point of sort of this very privileged, older white guy feeling of, oh, things used to be so great. And you had a, an older white gentleman telling us the news and telling us how to think and feel. And that seemed to be kind of what he was saying. Plus, he yes. kept calling the student sorority girl in a very sort of derogatory way. And when you look at a lot of the other portrayals of women on the show, it's kind of problematic. So yeah, uh, so that's that's the other thing we should talk about. Two, um, he's tried to make, in general, people in general, guys and girls, more competent and also incompetent. He's right. Trying to balance that out. Right. I think he may have noticed that he was doing too much of that. Yeah. Other well, there was there was a lot of backlash from season one because. All of the women on the show pretty much were incompetent. Even the ones that everyone kept talking about how competent they were, they were still incompetent. Or the women always needed to be sort of um, guided by men or helped by men or corrected by men or somehow like, like you know, every episode had had a woman who who needed a man in order to make her better somehow um and it, it like really got got to the point where it was it was absurd um also i mean aside aside from that it was just entertaining to watch um character of mckenzie who's the executive producer on the show 
who is they everyone keeps saying is the best the best producer in the business except right. that she's tell. completely incompetent at her job and is incapable of doing anything right in the first season well, and agree with me on and that. it's just like what you know the show versus tell oh yes they, yes they absolutely say, they have people they, say she's amazing so so tv tv tropes constantly. tv tropes has this this concept where they talk about um something being um uh, um oh, i forget what the term is it's um hold on it'll it'll come to me okay um but um yeah well, i can't can't think whatever, of it now. whatever we'll come back to it can you but explain? the idea is that like when someone has a character trait okay. um where which is which is told to us it's not shown to us but we're told that this this character has a certain trait and and people keep saying it even though there's no evidence that it's actually true um so so in in that case you know Mackenzie people keep telling us that she's she's the best producer but she's you know there's there's no indication that she actually is is at all good at her job um and she's also an emotional wreck who like just has these complete breakdowns and outbursts in the middle of the office, like in every episode in the first season, like there are people just screaming at each other about very personal things that have nothing to do with their jobs, you know, in the middle of the office in front of everyone. Um, and it's, you know, I guess Aaron Sorkin likes that kind of stuff, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's terrible and also very entertaining at the same time. Uh-huh. Well, and we haven't even talked about Maggie. Well, Maggie's the real crap show of this show. She's by far the worst character in every sense. And we could do an entire episode talking about what that's saying about Sorkin and sexism and the show, etc. About what, he, what his perspective on that kind of person in real life is. It's really kind of ridiculous. But I think we've gone enough. I think that's a good intro so we can get into what we're talking about. Right. But before we do that, I I sent you something. I believe no, there is something on TV tropes about show don't tell, and I'm not sure which thing you're thinking of in particular. Maybe it was as you know. Um. No, not as you know. It's um. Oh, an informed attribute. That's what it's called. Ah. Okay. If if you check out right, that's yes, that's one yes. of the TV tropes. Informed attribute, um, which is a type of violation of show don't tell, where people say that something is one way, but then all the evidence actually points to it being another way. Like for example, everyone's saying that Mackenzie is so competent, but the evidence points to her being completely incompetent. Um, or you know, <laughs> when Will screams, "I'm affable!" at the top of his lungs. Uh, right? the, the weird thing about that is that people. But that was say, supposed to be a joke. Yes, although how many times have we had characters say, season one and season two, other people say, "Yeah, Will's a jerk. Will's an asshole," and other people would say, "He isn't." Oh right, right. Everyone that would say like all the time. Will Will is like such a wonderful man, or like people will say things about Will that are like clearly not true. Um, I can't remember. There was there was one in particular where where somebody said like you know I don't th I can't even imagine Will doing anything to hurt another person or like something really silly like that where like that's basically all he does. He's like this mean, spiteful person who just likes to be cruel to everyone. Um, right. He's supposed to be the hero of the show, but not 
not in like a like you know Doctor House kind of way where he's like you know just this jerk that you like because you enjoy him being a jerk. Right. You're actually supposed really to like him because he's hero. he's supposed to be a good person, yeah. except that he's also a jerk. It's um it's kind of kind of tough to to explain exactly what's going on there. Um, now that said, I love Jeff Daniels, and I think that Jeff Daniels' performance is outstanding and really carries the show in a lot of ways. Because without him, you know, there would be no show. Um, well, so it, like, it's, it's not a reflection on Jeff Daniels at all. Yeah, he seems like he's actually, like, he really tries to put a lot of effort. It seems like he cares about the material. You know, it's just that the character itself is not very good. It's not very well written. Yeah. And that's just kind of part of the problem. Anyway, so let's talk about this particular episode. This is when everything happens, and they suddenly discover, whoops, it turns out we can't prove that Operation Genoa, which is theoretically a rescue operation where the U.S. military used sarin gas, actually happened. And of course, the funny thing is, here's something that's kind of interesting to me, is that I wasn't sure where they were going. I did not think that they were going to go exactly where they did, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But I thought that maybe they were going to imply, which they sort of did, that maybe this does happen. And maybe it's not clear whether or not that, you know, how black and white it is. All right. So so this is the episode where like we finally get like the big reveal. First of all, you know, when when they actually like do the story on Operation Genoa on the air and then find out that really they screwed up and um you know their sources were bad for whatever reason and um and they had to retract the story. Before we get into that, let me ask you. Did you what 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 are your feelings on this this whole plot line over the course of this season? Okay, so I'm of a few minds on this. One thing that I like is them inventing something new that's loosely based on reality, but isn't exactly. So that at the very least, you have the theoretical concept of suspense and tension in a way that you didn't have at all with the first season. Like, there were many episodes in the first season where they were building up to this idea of this crazy idea, we're going to revolutionize debates, especially Republican debate. It turned out all it was was basically Will getting the chance to interrupt debaters if they didn't answer the way he liked, which is awful. No one would ever do that. Even if well, it's like... That, then, was, that was so silly because they put so much time into like, right. oh, we have this new idea for the debates and it's so exciting and we've been rehearsing for two months and we're going to put on this presentation for the RNC... And and like the whole time you knew that the the Republicans would never go for it. Like they were never gonna gonna accept this debate format. This so like why are we wasting so much time on it? Well yeah, but that's right? another problem with the show, which is is it a parallel Earth or is it ours? In it I mean ours except for ACN, because obviously that Republican thing didn't happen. No, it's this is clearly our Earth. And I yet think. there but the thing is there was there's no, obviously, Operation Gen Genoa. There right. was something called Operation Tailwind, which happened in the 70s. Right, right. Which so was it's, reported on CNN, and then they said, oh, we have to say it didn't, we're not really sure if it happened, and somebody got fired about it. And then they sued. 
for wrongful termination, which I think is the inspiration here. So oh yeah, no, they've said they've said that it's the inspiration. That's it's definitely inspired by uh, Operation Tailwind. It's a lack of tension. We just don't feel like you know the, the tension can't really be easily built in general when you're, when you're making a story. It's harder when you know how it's going to end, and we knew. It, and it's interesting. It's sort of like an interesting storytelling device, and we've seen it before, of course, in many other things where we know how it's going to end. We know it's going to end badly. So then, the real question is, how does it end that? Why? Why is that interesting? You know, how is it that they could have made all these mistakes? But the problem, in this sense, is that in some cases they did all the right things, and 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 other, and then it was just sort of boring. In other cases, it's just sort of there weren't clues. So, for example, one of the things that we found out in this episode is that one of the guys who said that he was there, Eric Sweeney. The, I think Lance Corporal, I think, was his rank. He, apparently, he had some you know, head injury and some kind of brain problem. And suddenly... Yeah, well, they, they used the term um, traumatic brain injury, or TBI, right. which is just, uh, you know, I mean, that's a medical term okay. that basically means a concussion. But it's also, I mean, memory loss is definitely a factor. Right, right, of course. So, basically, suddenly his testimony, even if, it, even if he's right, is entirely tall into question. And so, so that's part of it. But the thing is, there were no clues of that at any point before now. There was never any point where he slightly might have misremembered something. Or if it was, it was so subtle that it was sort of pointless to think about it. Again, because, like I said, we already knew that it was going to end badly. Right. Or so um, thing... the other interview, the one that, that uh, Mackenzie did with, uh, mm -hmm. um, with the other guy. I forget his name. Stephen Root. No, not with Stephen Root. Um, the one, the one with, yeah, well, yes. Valenzuela. I'm probably saying it wrong. I forget exactly how his name was spelled, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this episode, we find out that um, when Mackenzie was interviewing him, she asked him all these leading questions, and he basically, um, you know, she basically told him like, "This is what Sweeney said." And the guy, you know, and the guy basically didn't volunteer any new information. He just sort of like backed up everything that Sweeney said because possibly he knew him. because he knew him and he, you know, he wanted to he wanted to support his his friend, you know. But um, but he basically there was no indication that he actually was providing any any real information that wasn't already being fed to him. Which, but so that's interesting. But like again, there is no way of us knowing that before this episode. Right. So, so it's sort of unfair to the audience to for us to feel like, oh, they should have known better or we could have figured it out or anything like this information simply wasn't given to us, even though in that case. And that's a little different than the thing with Sweeney and the and the the TBI, right. because this case, like they could have showed it to us. And it really it was a mistake that ACN made, um, you know, the the brain stuff, there's no way they would have known about. But this, you know, this is actually, like, bad journalism. It's, you know, bad interviewing technique. Well, um, the thing is, it's interesting because it's one of those, like, if one of these things was just one mistake, then you could have still said, well, we, we still have enough evidence. But when they're all together, basically, they had a whole bunch of situations, some of which were crazier than others. So the Valenzuela thing... No, we'll we'll get to the crazy one. Don't worry. So I don't. I don't even want to Sweeney say anything about it yet. But is, we're going to get there. It's actually somewhat believable. You can understand where he doesn't really. He doesn't want to disclose it. 
and maybe and because the records are classified, they couldn't have done easy. They they just didn't know. They and they never would have known unless until he actually revealed it himself later. Right. So that's why that was sort of like they could have done things. I think to build it up so that viewers watching along could have been like, oh wait a minute, something's going on here. But they they they're so interested in the story that they don't pick up on that. You know, you need to have like that kind of thing. And the Valenzuela, it just seemed like normal stuff. We didn't really get, you know, we didn't pick up on that. And obviously the, the let's get it to um, Sam Pamovich. Okay, hold on. Before before we get into that, I just, okay. because I want to talk a little bit about, about the, just the, the story in general in the second season. I did not like it. Um, and the reason why is partially because I, I enjoy the show more when it's bad than when it's decent. Um, but in the first season, the show was about the news, like the actual news and how, how we present the news. And we had all this drama with real news stories, um, and reporting them. And sometimes ACN got the story right and they did it better than other agencies, which, you know, was like a little bit silly, but it was kind of fun at the same time. Or, you know, other times like, you know, they just reported the news well and other 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 news networks also reported the news well and it was about like how do we report the news well um and in this season it, there has been much less emphasis on that because i think that there was a lot of criticism in the first season about that about the sort of like fantasy world that sorkin created where like his fake news network you know reported the news correctly with the magic of hindsight um or and, sources that were magic oh yeah well Some? yeah um, yeah. All right, I, right. Because I because be somehow, crazy, but I've got Jim, this source. Jim always he's has connect, like an old college cousin? roommate or his right. right his his brother. Here's my example. Yeah. Okay. Like, listen, guys, my cousin, his cousin, is actually the cousin of the Japanese emperor, and that's how <laughs> I know Pearl Harbor's about to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so there were a lot of those in the first season, but and they were like ridiculous, but they were kind of fun also. Um, yeah. So we we don't really have any of that in the second season, and the emphasis is now on instead of instead of being about the news, the emphasis is about this fake story, and it's about like you know this fake news network, and so it's the you know it's much more like internal drama within the, the, the network, creative... which would no, which I'm saying it's it could have been good, yeah, um, but the the problem with it. Is that to me? It just wasn't that interesting. Well, the um, rapper, I feel it like, wasn't... actually made it less suspenseful because we knew from the yeah. beginning that it was not going to work out. And if they had done a better job of building it up, so we could see why they screwed up a little bit more interesting. You know what? You know what? It's it's probably as simple as that. If they hadn't had this little, you know, fun framing device where you know they were sort of like having these these like depositions to this these lawyers you know talking about this screw up that they did in every single episode of the season so we know it's a screw up you know if they had just left that out and not told us anything about what was happening and just said like oh there's this uh you know genoa thing you know sounds intriguing let's let's you know check that out let's research it mm -hmm. probably would have been much more susp suspenseful right and the reveal could have... would have been like way more shocking oh my god can would you imagine yeah. Can you imagine, like, how how just mind-blowing this episode would have been if we didn't know that Genoa was false? 
Well, see, that's part of why there's some other problems. And that's why I want to get into the Stop Tonovich thing. So, Jerry D'Antenna, or Jerome, as apparently he wants to be called. <laughs> Did you see how in his piece, it was like, presented by Sir Jerome D'Antenna? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> it was just, okay, I guess he was just so highfalutin. Yeah. That, I mean, it was just really pushing in this. The weird thing is, Jerry started as sort of a, he seemed like a decent guy. Maybe he was a little careless, which we, we saw from the beginning, where he had this friend of his who he thought was solid, but maybe wasn't so solid. Well, he kind but of he, was solid, but he wasn't solid. He seemed like he was more focused on actually like doing reporting than anyone yeah. else who was working there. So I suddenly, mean, Jim like, is like going off to New Hampshire to screw around on, on you know, literally, reporting on the Romney campaign literally. because he's butthurt over his, his girlfriend, right? Yeah. His, I mean, not his non girlfriend. Um, right. The girl that he wants to be his girlfriend. So he hooks up with Meryl Streep's and daughter. Then he, oh, is that who she is? Uh, the actress? Yeah. Oh, that's. You know, she does kind of look like Meryl Streep. That's funny. There's a reason yeah. for that. He, he hooks up with. Anyway, I don't. Whatever. That's The point is, like, he's that totally shirking his subplot, and, and Jim yes. is, like, the hero of the show, right? Also, that was a pointless subplot. You're correct. But, but Jim is just shirking his responsibilities as, you know. The senior, what's his, what's his title? Senior he's, producer or something like, like that. Sen- he is the senior producer, and Mackenzie's the executive producer. Right. Basically, Jim and is he's just like screwing around, and wasting time with the production of a news show. Essentially, is sort of the idea here, or at least, at least from a management perspective. Right. And and meanwhile, his replacement, this guy Jerry, who they sent over from the the Washington Bureau, is actually interested in like you know, investigating stories and doing reporting and stuff, which is just like a, you know, almost like a foreign concept to these people. Well, see, I feel like they made it almost, here's, here, okay, I have, here's my way that I could, we could have solved some of these problems. If he had a personal reason for really wanting this story. It just seemed like suddenly he was, he was saying, Obama's evil, guys. Which is like, what? Hold on. Yeah, it, it sort of came out of nowhere. That was just weird how he suddenly was attacking Obama. Listen. It came out of nowhere, and, and also it was weird because... That he did with the drone strikes, but why is this... It was like the way he was juxtaposed made it seem like that was just a, an illustration of how wrong he was. And so then when he basically... I don't even know if it's illegal per se. It might even be considered liable what he did with editing the general's video. He could definitely be sued for that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of, it's just like so horrible in terms of journalism. That's the kind of like, it's like gotcha nonsense, you know, that they made fun of in that old Simpsons episode, Homer Badman. Remember they, they did the different clock? I'm telling you, you oh, yeah. stole from the Simpsons episode <laughs> That's right. Oh, with the clock, like exactly. you can it's see it like thing. zipping back and forth. Yes. Oh my god, that's so funny. I I didn't think of that. Uh, I, wow. I'm sure they didn't think of it either. I'm just saying it. No, they did no, but it's it's but it's so it's you know it's it's so spot on. And that's sort of part of my problem. It's nothing new. This you know editing things out of context is nothing new. But you know there, it's just his whole. Why did he do it? Because he knew it was happening. That, that's what his explanation, quote-unquote, was. 
But you know what? It would be, and that's the thing. We were talking about how, like, in terms of presentation, it would have been more dramatic if they hadn't revealed from the very beginning of the show that this was a screw-up and the story was bad. Um, it also would have been a better story if Jerry hadn't doctored the film and, you know, and they had just messed up the story just because, like, they weren't careful enough. Not because of his, like, malicious attempt to, you know, actually um, mislead everyone else. Also, you know, I mean, I mean that, that just makes editor, him a villain. The edited it's version not, it's sounded terrible. It sounded so edited. Well, did you do Saren? We used Saren. It's like, whoa, that sounded like you badly edited it because you did. Yeah, I just it was just so obvious that I don't see how any of these people, unless they're blinded by news, which they don't, they weren't all because some of them were skeptical, could ever think that this was a, like something wasn't right. They just sounded wrong. So that okay. So here's a few ways I think that they could have improved the suspense and the tension. One is, like I said having some kind of personal stake. Like, let's say Jerry finds out from a source that this really happened. Like, maybe he meets someone who who says, I'll talk to you, but he won't tell him his name. So now Jerry knows it happened, but he he can't reveal the source. And he can't get, like, real evidence, so he feels like, I have to bring this story to light. You see what I'm saying? Right. I feel like that would have been more interesting because then he can't tell anyone else why he's getting so worked up about it. Well, I mean, he kind of did. I mean, he got the source from, from, uh, that guy that, you know, the military correspondence that he likes to use that Jim doesn't like to use. Yeah. Well, he just sort of said, you know, general, we don't really know anything else. And that's what I'm saying. Didn't feel like a personal reason. I feel like, you know, he needed to have met, you know, meet someone. Like maybe a marine who got rescued or something. You see what I'm saying? With that? Yeah. I feel, I feel like he needed to feel like this needs to be told or something. I I feel like that's part of it. Another thing is I think that Jerry should have had a co-conspirator, someone who was like, I don't know if we should do this, and then Jerry and like and the other person, which could have been anyone on the team, maybe Neil for example, should have been sort of like. You know, this I think Neil would have been a good example actually, because of his sort of weird naivety and like we have to tell the truth against government and all that. You know, and and then maybe Neil says, well, maybe we could do something with this footage, because maybe Jerry can say he basically admitted to me that they use Sarah, and then Neil can say, well, well, I mean, the only problem with that is then then they would have to fire Neil and he would be off the show. Would they fire him though? For doctoring footage? Well, then, yes. here's, here's another twist. Make it so that Jerry protects Neil and takes the fall for it. Ah. Actually, that's interesting. You see what I'm doing? I'm also yeah. making it that Jerry isn't just a horrible... He's, just, he's not just villain. the bad guy. Yeah, he's, he's like an actual he human being. Mistakes. He realized, you know what? I crossed the line. Neil is kind of a neophyte. He's a novice. He doesn't realize how bad this is. I should have known. I should have stopped it. You see, and I feel like that's something he could even say to me. It was like, why did you protect me? Like, you know, you have plenty of other chances here. I'm the one who should have stopped it. I said, but there was... You know what? I like it. that. I like that. That's, that's and, you know, It's like, you know, sometimes the truth isn't everything. I wish okay. it was, but it's not. And that's okay. something that you're going to have to learn. 
So, um, do you see what I did? Okay, see, no, I, I, just I, I get it. I get it. Like it, Ugh. it works. I think it works that way, and it would have been a lot better. Yeah, I mean that's that's my issue with this, and then because then we had this other thing. So I want to get to the the last so-called piece of evidence. Oh boy, here we go. Oh my god, this this guy, this guy Shep, who is some kind of intelligence press source that basically comes every so often to tell Charlie. Can can we call him Deep Throat? Ugh, well, some people have. It's it amuses me to call him Deep Throat. Yeah, so Deep Throat is basically, you know, he comes and says, Charlie, don't talk about this story, or maybe he'll, like, it seems like they have some history. They seem like they had an interesting little back and forth. And he was basically trying to convince, it seemed like, maybe we use Saren, and maybe... It's right, he, so he starts dropping these hints that maybe, like, they did, because, like, maybe they felt like they were justified. So it seemed more like, to me, that he was trying to do one of two things. One... Say, yeah, maybe we did do it, but maybe it's okay, so you shouldn't t- bring it up. Maybe we are morally justified in, you, in doing this. That's one possibility. And the other one is maybe he's trying to convince him, you know, not to tell the story at all. Or maybe he's, maybe that was like his way of of like trying to convince him of you know like he was he was prevent, presenting the justification but maybe he was saying like you do need to run the story because yeah. we did something that was wrong that and, is possible you know, that's why it, he it was needs to be exposed right and then yeah. he gave him then he gave him this this uh manifest. manifest right and there there was this whole you know so so that was a piece of evidence because the manifest had this item listed on it which doesn't exist and yeah. that's like a code for when you when you have some kind of contraband or something um, so, so it was, it was used as, a, as an additional piece of evidence to indicate that, uh, that there might have been sarin gas in this operation. Um, right. now, so, course, so that was like a couple of episodes ago. So in reason, this episode, though, his reason for doing this is, because oh my God, he had a son who worked at ACN and was fired because he kept putting stuff on the blog that was inappropriate. He was, he was, his son was an intern. Yep. And then his son was posting th- something onto their website or on their blog. I think he was like engaging in arguments with posters. Like they didn't say exactly what he was doing. No, but, but he was already like. But was, let's just uh, assume that he was, was like he was like getting into arguments with with other posters, um, and he was warned and told not to do this. They told him a couple of times like you can't do this, and then they fired him. Um, and and uh, Charlie knew all of this, but didn't think it was a big deal. So and we yet, find out if that same thing had happened, and Maggie had done any of that, she would have said, "Listen, is my performance suffering?" And they would have had to say no, because <laughs> Maggie's a chick. That's right. But um, but we find out in this episode that that guy, um, Deep Throat's son, was a drug addict. And that he was, he had like 90 days of recovery and that that was his 90th day when he was fired and that after he was fired, he went and died. I I forget what they said if he, I don't know if he committed suicide or he accidentally overdosed or something. The point is he died. Well, he Um, wasn't clear about it. Right. But, and, and, and it's obvious that Deep Throat felt that he died as a direct result of being fired from ACN 
you know, which Deep Throat felt wasn't justified, even though it obviously was. And therefore, this was his way of taking revenge on the entire network. Um, he wanted to destroy the whole network, so he, he set up this, this fake manifest, um, you know, with this, with this fake item on it, and really, you know, and, and like it had the words fuck you written in invisible ink, apparently. <laughs> I couldn't even say that without laughing about it. I know there's so more ridiculous. that's going on there, though, because think about it this way. He even said something like, we might lose our moral authority and people might get angry and what about riots? That's like a decent point. But then he just goes ahead and gets them to reveal it. Well, hold on a second. Weren't you worried about riots and things? The story came out. Obviously, that was like, all of that was an act. But it's... Because he didn't care about that. He didn't care about about America at all. How ridiculous taking revenge. This whole, you know, this source... Yeah, it was purely about him taking revenge um, for the death of his son, which they really had nothing to do with. His son died. Um, He, you know, not because he was fired, but, you know, after he was fired. Um, But to him, it was like a post hoc ergo propter hoc kind of situation. Um, And, you know, because his son was fired justifiably after being warned to stop doing something that was inappropriate and continuing to do it. He felt that he needed to take revenge on the entire network and destroy their reputation. So he created this fake evidence to give them so that they would run a bad story. Um, that was my favorite part of the episode. Well, because, it was just so ludicrous. Loved, it didn't I fit with stuff. anything I loved else. It. I love the, the ludicrous stuff. You know, I, that's, what, that's, what I, I, that's what I want from this show. I want the ludicrousness. Yeah. I want the ludicrousness. I want the silliness. Um, just like the over the top, ridiculous sort of stories. That's, that's what I like. Um, so I was very happy with that scene, but if you're looking at the newsroom as like an actual good show, then it was awful. Um, you know, I just, I like the awfulness, but, um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty terrible slash amazing, um, right there. So, uh. So yeah, so so what happens is eventually, like the whole thing unravels, and uh, first they they find out, you know, Sweeney says something about having TBI, and they say, whoa, he has TBI. All of a sudden, he's not a reliable source anymore because he could have memory problems. And then they look into Valenzuela or whatever his name is, and um, you know, and they get all this thing with like the leading questions and right, and then this thing comes out with the Hilo manifest, and. Um, so basically, the whole story falls apart, and they have to recant it. Um, now, one thing that I found interesting about this episode is that um, Will was not in it a lot. Normally, he's like a major, major character in every episode. And in this episode, it seemed like when he was around, he was doing important things. But he was he was barely in it, I thought. Except for like when he was meeting with the lawyers and pontificating to them about like Alexander the Great or, you know, Socrates or whatever the fuck he was talking about. I remember about. that, but... He was, well, he was just rambling about about something. Well, yeah, he definitely rambled. I feel... And, and they were just, like, letting him. They were just yeah. letting him go, I guess because of the force of his personality, because they, they were clearly, like, a lot less, um, you know, tolerant 
of of most of the other people they were interviewing they were a lot um you know a lot a lot more aggressive in terms of you know asking them specific questions looking for specific answers and sort of like correcting them when they said things that that the lawyers felt were inadvisable um and will they were they just sort of indulged him and they just let him do his thing so that was i don't know exactly what what that was about but um also, what was interesting was um, the idea of institutional failure, because that's that's what this lawsuit is all about. Um, Jerry, was, Jerry yeah, suing that was actually the, more of an interesting perspective. Right. Well, the idea was this is what's interesting. Jerry was suing the company because he said that even though what he did was wrong, um, he was basically being scapegoated, and you know it was an institutional failure because they should have realized that the story was bad and not run it. He's right. And 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 the, and he's. He's right, and Will is the one who says that he's right. Will says, you know, he's going to sue us and we're going to lose because it was an institutional failure, and, you know, and we did script. And, and what's, what's interesting is he's the first person to say that because we've seen interviews with a, a bunch of other staff members, and they've all kind of said, um, you know, no, you know, we, we did good work, and we researched this, and we researched that, and, you know, it was Jerry. He fucked up. Um, did, but but Will is the one who who is making the argument that like it was uh, you know it's it's all of our fault like we all should have done a better job except for Jim because Jim was suspicious all along Jim knew better um, but nobody, I mean nobody, at least somebody Jim. did nobody listened to Jim so you know that's what got us into this mess and I think Sloan, at, well, Sloan was kind of, uh, hesitant also right what's that. Sloan was, I think Sloan was hesitant to buy the story also. Well, Don and, and, and Sloan were both a little like, are we sure yeah. about this? Yeah, Don, Don and Sloan, both of them. Two of our favorite characters, by the way. Yeah, although, you know, they, they're not always so great. I mean, it's sort of like that, uh, you well, know, Sorkin can't help but screw them up a little bit. The problem is, no one on this show is always great. That's true. No one is always great. But they're they're two of the people who are consistently, you know, they're more likely to actually be people that you want to root for and feel are like actual decent human beings and good at their jobs and, you know, and are just like relatable um, more so than any of the other characters. I guess I agree with that. Oh, it's just kind of frustrating, you know, in some ways because in this episode are sort of in the, is the, is the aspects of the show that I think could be a legitimately good show, and not just a, oh, this show is awful, and, like, laughing at it. It's just that that's kind of frustrating in that sense. I mean, all right. Let's, let's just think about what are the worst parts of this episode, and what are the best parts of this episode. Okay. So for me, my top three worst things is how... Mackenzie somehow very like coincidentally figures things out because she gets a literal giant clock <laughs> crowd. Yeah. Which is so that was stupid. pretty silly. Uh, I couldn't. It was just like, there could have been so other. I, we don't even need to get into how many other ways that could have been done much better because there's yeah. infinite, infinitely better yeah. ways to do that. Uh, that was uh, that was one of them. Another one that I didn't care for is but I think maybe it would work better for some people is all the jokes about Daniel Craig 
which at first was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then it was just Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig. And I felt like the joke was running to the ground, and I didn't find it funny, and therefore just became annoying. Okay. That's sort of it, how it is with recurring gags. Yeah. You know, if you didn't find it, if you don't continue to find it escalatingly funny, it doesn't really work. The problem is, I felt like that scene didn't function in a let's increase the hilarity sort of way, and because of that, the Daniel Craig buildup didn't really work for me. Instead, it was it kept getting more and more tense and serious, therefore the Daniel Craig thing was just jarring, and increasingly jarring. And I guess that's my perspective. I suppose if somebody was just watching it enthralled by the amazing Jane Fonda's performance of stone craziness, yeah. I heard Daniel Craig jabbering yeah. might have been hilarious. Yeah. But I didn't see it that way. Okay. I actually did see it that way. Um, but I'll... Or if, if you're finished. Well... Um, <laughs> or if you're I mean, not, then, then just, you know, you finish and then I'll talk about Jane Fonda. I guess, I mean, all right, well, we've already talked about other things. I'm just glad that there wasn't any reference to, uh, I, I just, I should say, when Maggie came in with her haircut, you know, walking in, I just was like, ah, I hate this character. I hate that hair. I hate everything that's going on with this character. Just that one appearance of her walking into the room with her haircut reminded me of everything awful about her terrible Africa storyline. <laughs> so yeah, it was I, pretty that, bad. It was a very small part of the episode. Okay, it's sort of meaningless, but I hated it anyway. Okay, wait. So that—that's what you didn't like. Are you, you going right. to talk about what you liked, or how are we well, going to do? Well, it depends. Would you like to bring up what you didn't like first? Okay, sure. I'll talk about what I didn't like. Now, it's kind of tricky for me because, um, in a way, like it's not for me. It's not like the bad parts and the good parts because I, the bad parts are the good parts to me. Ah, okay. Um, so, so I'm I'm not going to talk about you know what were the worst parts of the show because those those might be the most enjoyable. Um, but I'm going to talk about the things that I didn't enjoy, um, which is a little different. So, the main thing I didn't like about this episode was the juxtaposition of this story with the the Benghazi story, um, uh, and the way that that sort of they. They implied on the show that um, Genoa, well, partially it was Genoa that interfered with their being able to get the story right on Benghazi, and partly it was they they implied in some way that because Neil delegated his you know his assignment to the intern that like the intern didn't catch something about Benghazi. It was, it was really kind of glossed over. Um, but there was, I, I mean, I assume that's what it was because otherwise there was no point to it at all. Well, I feel like they were kind of saying that they would have gotten it quote unquote right about Benghazi because of their so-called state department source, but they didn't, it was almost, if, if I thought that's what they were doing, I would have been like, this is a meta reference about how people always get annoyed how they always get it right in hindsight, but they didn't get a chance to correct Well, no, I mean, they, they, they would have got the Benghazi story right, and I'll get to that in a second, but um, I just wanted to say something about Neil and this intern, right? For some reason, there was a plot line in the episode where Neil had this, you know, there's the, whatever, this rotation that everyone goes through where they have to go through the, these, like, overnights or whatever they call them, um, the overnight news stories, and like go through all of them and see what's important. And he dumps it off on this intern. And there was some implication that like 
she found a bunch of stupid stories about celebrities and like ignored the Benghazi thing or something or like it caused some kind of delay in their focusing their attention on it. I don't know. If that's not what it was, then it had no points at all. So, you know, I'm actually like just giving the show the benefit of the doubt in terms of that. Um, but then later, like when they actually like got the got the story on Benghazi, they ended up choosing not to report what they think actually happened, which was that it was a terrorist attack and just report it as a protest, just like everyone else, because they were so caught up in the retraction from the Genoa story. And, you know, they didn't feel like they could take any kind of risk, you know, oh, well, I've got a source and like we can't rely on any of our sources anymore. So like they basically implied, yes, that they would have got the Benghazi story right when everyone else would have gotten it wrong if not for them being extremely uh, cautious as this Genoa thing was, uh, you know, was falling apart. Um, and I, I didn't like that because it's sort of, um, it just didn't work for me. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, like, show something about, like, how a news organization should have reported Benghazi, then, like, fine, do that. But, like, um, it's just, you know, it's sort of like artificially upping the stakes on this Genoa thing. Like the Genoa thing was bad. It was bad because they reported incorrectly that the U.S. government violated international law by using chemical weapons, um, you know, and then they had to retract that story. Like the stakes are high enough. You don't have to make the stakes worse by saying like, oh, and by the way, we also didn't get the story right on Benghazi because of that. Like it's it just didn't work for me, so that's that's something that I didn't like about the episode. Um, now, uh, Jeremy, go ahead. You were going to talk about uh, the best parts of the episode. What do you liked? So please. Well, okay. So it's it's interesting in that I did kind of like how we saw like the actual how did they figure it out and how nobody seemed to see it coming, and I did I did like her. Uh, Max sort of, oh no, oh, uh oh, this is really bad. I did like that part. I felt like uh, I, I liked that particular part in the episode, how it kind of built up to their the discovery. I just felt like it didn't really have an adequate payoff, like we've talked about already. But that aspect of it, I felt like was acted pretty well, and you know the, the sort of like interesting. Yes, everyone's very confident, and but we know it's going to get screwed up in the same episode, which was kind of interesting. I kind of like that tension, and I guess that other than that, you know, there was a sort of like enjoyment of the sort of craziness of the Leona scene, which was just ridiculous. But I guess that's probably it. What about you? Okay. So, uh, oh, one, one other thing I didn't like so much that I forgot to mention was just um, Will's, you know, rambling little speech to the lawyers that didn't really go anywhere. Um, you know, that, that just kind of bored me. And I, I really like Will. I like Jeff Daniels' performance in general. So, you know, normally, like, I would like that kind of stuff, but it just, that just didn't work. Um, the, my favorite things in this episode, the things that I really liked were... Um, the scene with, with Deep Throat and Charlie, um, which I just thought was, like, hilariously over the top. Um, you know, that was, like, 
everything that I loved and, you know, from back from season one that like we weren't really seeing anymore in terms of the melodrama and just the, the silliness and all of that. Um, so I, I loved that. I thought it was crazy and, and extremely entertaining. Um, and the, the scene at the end with Leona, I, I really liked. And I'm not, I'm not like a huge Leona fan, um, Jane Fonda, normally, but that scene was great. She just comes in and she just owns it. Um, she, she's badass and she doesn't give a fuck and, you know, she's possibly high, we don't know. Um, but, you know, she's not gonna, she's not gonna just take the sitting down. Like, she doesn't care. Let him sue us. Like, you know, we're not, um, we're, we're gonna fight back, you know. Like, it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was a great performance. I, I thought the Daniel Craig thing was a little funny. Um, but just in general, her performance was like really strong, and it gave the the episode a really strong ending. Well, so I the Daniel Craig thing was funny at first because like, you kind of look like Daniel Craig, and then he gets up and says, "Oh no, not anymore. Sit back down." I thought that was funny, but then I didn't like the continual references. I just like I, like I was saying okay. before, because of the way the scene was constructed, which was building to the climax of then get it back. I feel like the those aspects of humor just seemed out of place. And I guess that's just one of my... This is my explanation of why it felt weird, which is just one of those... Uh, <laughs> the explication of emotional connection to something. Right. Because, I mean, I've seen enough TV and movies that I can parse why I feel a certain way if I think about it enough. Even though immediately after, I thought... Why do I feel weird about that scene? And then thinking about it, I can pinpoint why. It's because of the like the sort of tonal dissonance, in a sense, in the way that the scene kept moving forward, and the seriousness of some of it, and sort of her increasing madness and craziness. And I thought that that worked, but the Daniel Craig kept jolting me backwards. That's what I mean by that. Okay. I mean, that's fine. That's That's fair. So I just uh, it, I, I it thought it's a bit it of a subjective thing, so I understand that. Yeah. I just didn't just didn't care for it. But I'm not gonna among all the things. Listen, if somebody, for example, were to defend the, the subplot with Shep, I would be a lot. I would say that that's terrible from a story structure point, from a suspense point, from a logic point. Rational, you know, everything doesn't make sense. There was no connection. This isn't like a a wire thing where we met the intern. And something happened. Listen, if they had set that up in season one, I would have been saying, "Oh, that's pretty cool that they did that." No, but it was just—it was just made up out of thin air. And I—that's—that's that's what I'm saying. Listen, yeah. if he—if he had planned that, I would have been impressed. Okay, I would have said that was pretty—that was a good move. And that because that kind of planning is impressive if somebody can think of it. Okay? This just seemed like, oh well, at the beginning of season two, he decided. I'm not, I don't know when he decided, but at some point in season two writing and filming, he decided what that was going to be, that twist. So, I don't, it's just, it's a bad twist. I don't like that kind of, well, as you know, this thing. We were talking about the show versus tell thing, and this is like a classic example of that, you know, meets a critical point of importance in the story. When you're yeah. trying to say why yeah. it was like failed. it was like basically we had this character 
who who did like a sudden um face heel turn and 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 in order to learn why we just get this this bunch of silly exposition just shoveled at us you know that has nothing to do with anything and you know it's it's all just like so random um but but that's whatever i you know i mean I, like i said i liked it not because it was good but because it was bad right okay. um all right well it was I certainly think, entertaining i think we should probably wrap things up it's okay. interesting in that i think we only have two episodes left right uh is it two or three well, I think originally it was supposed to be ten episodes, but then he cut a bunch of things, changed it. This is this is episode seven. I don't know if they're supposed to be nine or ten in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. They're supposed to be nine. Okay, so there's two episodes left. Election Night Part 1 and Part 2, both of which are credited as having been written by Aaron Sorkin. Naturally. <laughs> I mean... I don't even know what they could possibly do for two episodes on the election night, considering, again, we know what happened. Yeah. I mean, it also wasn't even, like, that dramatic an election. No, I mean, that one was a little bit more... It was clear that Robin was going to lose. But, I mean... Uh, I don't know. I guess we could just talk about... All right. Let's talk about our... The predictions. Predictions of what you think will happen and what you want to happen... From a bad perspective and from a good perspective. Like, if this was a good show, what do you think they should do? And if this was the worst show, what do you think they should do? And what do you think will actually happen? Uh, it's so, you know, it's so tough to speculate on this I show. It's so tough to speculate because you never know where Aaron Sorkin is going with this stuff. Um, and And it's usually to a place that you didn't expect and probably didn't want to go um so i i mean that's that's really tough to answer i guess what i would say is what i want to see is the team um you know basically coming up with like some good stories or just good solid reporting or something you know as they try to like earn the trust back um, you know, of the American people. I don't really see how they could do that on an election night because there's not really so much to do on yeah, election night yeah. um, in terms of reporting. But, um, so, I mean, like, I guess if it was like a good show, that's what I would, that's what I would like them to see somehow. And Sorkin is certainly capable of, of doing good television and he could okay. come up with a way of doing that. I if, do have, in terms uh, of like badness. Um, okay, well, I was going to say, I have, I think I know what my yeah. good one would be which is something should go wrong with the, you know with the newsroom in some way and they have to use some kind of actual journalism or newsroom skills to get out of it like we saw a little bit earlier on in the season I'd like to see that I'd like to see something where they get where something gets screwed up and they have to figure out a way to get past it and it requires okay. a lot of different people on the team to work together Okay. You know, I'd like to see something like that. That's what I'd like to see. Not that I think it'll happen, at least the way I'm thinking, but that's what I'd like. Anyway, but go on. You're bad. What right. is your ideal stupid situation? So my my ideal stupid sort of resolution would be that, like, first of all, that Will, like, gets on TV 
and just make some speech that is like so impressively overwhelming that everyone instantly decides that he is a trustworthy news source because he's he's such a good speaker and he says things that sound so true um and um that the show also gets back to focusing on the romantic subplots which are so important um so you're saying you know, is um, we, we've got to see more, switch. more drama between, between Maggie and Jim, and we've got to see more drama between Will and Mac. And, um, ah, so you're, what you're saying is Neil and Taylor should hook up and then she should tell Neil something about the Romney campaign. And it's going to be like, oh, wait a minute, I got to get this to the new room, but he keeps trying to get back in time, but he doesn't quite make it. Uh, that would, that would be amazing. I mean, I feel like Taylor Neal is such a weird pairing, <laughs> but I kind of want to... But what are the that. odds of, of Neil and Taylor hooking up? Well, I mean... We saw them together once already, remember? That with the stupid Ron Perl girl? With with, with Ron Paul, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron Taylor, Paul 2012 so, girl. But Taylor um, was there also. Right. And so Neil might have been thinking, oh, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> like, oh, my God, that would be that would be amazingly bad. If if I know. Neil, like, hmm. Neil and Taylor somehow hooked up and and that led to like him reporting something to the to ACN about Romney or uh, oh my god wow that would be awesome oh, yeah oh <laughs> I kind of want to see that that would oh, be awesome hmm. but I feel like what the the I, the best most ideal stupid situation will be somehow that because of Will uh, that Obama wins. But because of him. Because of Will? I don't know how exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe he reports on Wisconsin, like, not corrupt, being corrupt or something. Like, they they discover a corruption and they catch it just in the nick of time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You Some, oh, my God. It, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Also, um, I, I, and this is not, like, talking about, like, what I want, like, bad things to happen. Like, I, I genuinely want to see Don and Sloan get together because, um... Well, yeah, you see, it's, well, the only like, reason he said they, he wasn't going to is because he's her boss. He's, he's not her boss. Well, he is her boss a little bit, I guess, but... Well, because he's, the, you know, he's, uh... I didn't stop him with Maggie. He was Maggie's real. boss. I know, but they were on <laughs> different shows. Until um, they no, they weren't. They oh, weren't on right. different shows. They were. Uh, Remember? Because no. he used to be so the executive guys, producer on, on Will's the, show. I think that Don realizes... Here's, here's my pet theory. Yeah. Don realizes that unlike Maggie, Sloan might actually work out, and he's terrified of that, because he doesn't want to screw up what he feels like. This person... Like, remember how he said, I think you're impressive? He's never said that to Maggie. No one would ever say that to Maggie. So I feel like... I think he's kind of... Remember how she said guys are intimidated by me in that kind of joking way? I think he yeah. actually is. Like, the more he knows, he gets to know her, the more he's afraid that if he actually does something, that it's going to screw everything up. That's what I think. Yeah, but, it's I mean... Like, that that that, you know, that kind of thing happens to guys in real life, too. So it's of not course. entirely out of the question. Of course. But I feel like... Would be bit, I feel like what would be more in character is if Sloan just said, "I'll, you know, f it," and just like made out with him. Um, and she probably will at some point. I feel like that's totally believable in both of their characters. Where Don's yeah. like, he might say something that's like she says, "Like, what did you say?" And then he pretends he didn't say anything. And then she's like, "Oh, the hell with it," you know. I feel like that 
it's sort of like would be a good illustration of their relationship. Also, um, I want to see at least one meltdown each from Mackenzie and from and from uh, Maggie. Well, they have to fall onto something <laughs> or through something, even better. Oh, you mean like an actual pratfall? <laughs> we haven't seen any of those. We haven't. Before. We haven't had too many pratfalls in season two. Don had a pratfall, um, but. Uh, but but they yeah, need to run into each other. That's what would need to happen. <laughs> if, if Mackenzie and and Maggie ran into each other, I think the universe would implode yeah, on itself. I was a little afraid of that. They, they well, would take the whole building out with them. Singularity. Yeah. Level yeah. <laughs> explosion. That would that would do more damage to ACN than the Genoa story. <laughs> That's right. It would cause a chain reaction whereby the entire universe would detonate. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good note to end it on. Okay. The ideal way that the season two could end is yes. the universe explodes and it's all back to normal. First thing, season three, because Will wills it so. Because the will of makes, Will, as I call he it. He makes a powerful speech about it. All right. So we'll probably do this again for the next one, although it might be a all little right. delayed because of some of the holidays and stuff, but we'll see what yeah. we can do. Uh, we, should, we should be able to do it on time, hopefully. I think so. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to try. All right. Nerd you later. Nerd you later.